Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. There is no one higher than you. I'm going to read for you Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Many of you might know it as the Christmas story, the original Christmas story. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was one of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought first forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. And when eight, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Why don't we give the Lord a praise right now? Aren't you glad we serve a great and awesome God who is no longer 
in a manger, no longer in a stable, but he is living in our hearts today. Why don't you give him one more praise today? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for who you are. I thought it was advantageous to read that entire passage. I have preached two different messages from pieces of Luke 2 uh, this month, and then, of course, Pastor Cedric preached the last week. And uh, so I wanted to, you to hear it all together. And what I'm going to preach today, I'm going to pick up after the story of that Christmas day. I'm going to preach from another passage. I'm going to actually turn your attention to Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, or from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The series I had started for this Christmas season was Finding Jesus at Christmas, and today I want to focus on this aspect, Finding Hope at Christmas. Finding Hope at Christmas. God bless you. You may be seated today. We use the word hope quite frequently in our everyday lives, things such as, I know many of you just finished up the first semester of school, and you're, actually the children are for the most part going to stay in here, we'll let the nursery, we're going to do a little something different since we're the last deal, uh, but you, you just, you take a test and you say things like, I hope I get a good grade, anybody ever said that? And if you have not studied, it's probably a false hope. If you haven't paid attention in school, it's probably a, a false hope that you have because the likelihood of you getting a good grade when you don't study and when you don't, you don't pay attention in class is it's pretty slim. I, I've said this, and I hope I don't gain weight. I've said it the other way, I hope I lose weight, and based on the weight that I eat and my lifestyle, it is a false hope that there is not a lot of reality that I'm just all of a sudden going to lose weight, and Christmas is coming, and I'm going to eat a lot of bad food, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit the sin of gluttony, and then I'm going to repent over that after celebrating the birth of Jesus. Not really going to, hopefully I'm not being gluttonous, but it feels like that. Anybody ever felt like that? We celebrate the blessings of Jesus and Thanksgiving time by stuffing ourselves and then having to repent over that. But, but I hope I don't gain weight or I hope I lose weight. We throw that kind of thing out there. And, and because uh, I, I like to eat, it's like, man, I hope we go somewhere good for lunch or whatever it happens to be. But at Christmas time, if you're a child, you're like, man, I hope I get good presents at Christmas. Any of you guys hoping you get some really good stuff at Christmas? Anybody? A few of you? We, we kind of spread Christmas out in our family. We celebrate, we celebrate Christmas with my side of the family at Thanksgiving time, the one time of the year we're together all as a family. And so we do a Christmas deal there. The cousins at least all, all uh, give each other presents. And they know exactly what they're getting because they make a list of what they want. And then they give it to each other and they act surprised and so grateful that somebody knew exactly what they wanted. We do that at Thanksgiving and then... With my wife's side of the family, we typically do that Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day, we're kind of doing our own thing, and so we kind of spread it out over multiple days, and 
You never know when the gifts and the presents that you want are really going to turn up. But let me define hope for you today. This is from just the typical dictionary. It says hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Such as he looked through her belongings in the hope of coming across some information. I'm not sure why that's out there. But, or it, an archaic definition is this. It is a feeling of trust. A verb form of hope is I want something to happen or something to be the case. And that's kind of what I've been using. It is I hope I don't gain weight or I hope I get good presents at Christmas. That's a verb where we're, we're having this trust or this anticipation or this expectation that something good is going to happen. I looked it up. Hope is used 154 times in the New King James Version of the Bible. And of course, depending on which version you use and how translators interpret certain words, it may be a little different in your preferred version. But in the New King James, 154 times the word hope is used. It's an important word. The book with the second most uses in the Bible is the book of Job. And, and in almost every instance in the book of Job, it's about a false hope. Or putting your hope in the wrong things or, or, or not really even having hope at all. It's always are almost always negative. The book of the Bible with the most uses of the word hope is the book of Psalms. It's used over and over throughout the book of Psalms. And in fact, Psalm 119, it's, it's the book of the Bible with the most, the mo, or the chapter of the Bible with the most uses of the word hope. And it says something, some things like this, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. The psalmist says, I have hoped in, in your law and what you have directed me. I have put my hope in it that it is going to be uh, come to pass, that what your word has said, it's going to be fulfilled. And I've put my hope there. Or remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. That when God speaks a word, the psalmist says, I'm going to hope and I'm going to put my trust that what you have spoken to me directly will come to pass or Things like those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. Verse 81, my soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. I, I put my trust and my anticipation and my expectation in your word. Or verse 114 of Psalm 119, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Uphold me, verse 116, according to your word that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. There's a few other ones, but you get the point that the psalmist is saying, I can hope in God, and I have this trust and this expectation that what your word has said and what you have said is going to come to pass. It's not in vain. It is a positive hope. I, I'm not just hoping, like, I hope I don't gain weight. When I'm eating a lot of food, that's a false hope. But I have put my hope in Jesus Christ that, that whatever he has said and whatever his word has said, it will come to pass. God is a God who never lies and what he has spoken, it will happen. That when he has promised salvation, it will happen. Christmas should be a time of hope. And I'm going to do an abbreviated message today because of the extra things we did but Christmas is a time of hope. The Jews, at the point when Jesus comes, they have been waiting centuries for their Messiah. They have been 
patiently or maybe impatiently waiting on the Messiah, someone to come and deliver them, someone to do away with the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, someone to deliver them, in this case, from the Roman oppression. They have been hoping, they have been looking and waiting, and finally the day of their hope arrives when the angels pronounce that this day is born to you a Savior in the city of David. There is a Savior that has been born. Hope has arrived in the form of a baby in a manger. That's why we celebrate this. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's not just a time of giving presents or receiving presents or a time of family and time of friends. It is a time to celebrate the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So what does this hope let us know? How how can we uh, get this hope? What does it do in our lives? What are we actually hoping in? Is our, is our hope in vain, or do we have a hope that is going to be realized, a hope where the expectation and the anticipation will really come to pass? I would tell you our hope is not in vain, but it is a hope that is not only going to be realized then, but it's being realized now. So let me give you three things about this hope at Christmas. One is this, that our hope leads to faith. Our hope leads to faith. Right after where Pastor Rosalind left off reading verse 22, it begins to tell uh, the story of uh, Simeon and Anna and and Jesus being taken to the temple. But before that, with the text that I, I read to you, it tells us of these three wise men. They came, the Bible says they came from the east, they came from a long way away. It's a long journey. They didn't get on a plane. They didn't get on a train. They didn't get on a bus. At best, they probably got on a camel, and they went across deserts, and they went across valleys and rivers and mountains to get to Jerusalem. And when they get to Jerusalem, they don't say, is there a king who has been born? That's not their question. They don't say, Hey, is there something exciting that's just taking place or, or getting ready to take place? They, they don't ask that question. Their question is this, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They came all of those thousands of miles, but they weren't questioning whether it was true. They just wanted to know where he was. They didn't say, is there a king that's been born? They already knew. Their hope led to faith. The Bible says this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for that when you have hope when you have an anticipation and an expectation what is it 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 is it is faith that is generated it is faith that is brought about numbers 24 17 is the reason that they had hope in the first place it's a reason that they had faith in the first place it says this i see him but not now i behold him but not near A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. And what that prophecy is saying, there is a star that is going to come. And and all of the Jewish scholars and all of the Jewish prophets knew that there was one day going to be a star that was going to declare that the Messiah had come. And these wise men, they're not Jews. They're they're scholars. they're, They're astrologers, maybe astronomers and they're looking at the stars and they see 
this star form in the sky. And when they see it, they know about the prophecy. So they know the king of the Jews has been born. And so when they get to Jerusalem, the question is, where is he? Not is he here. Not does he exist. Not is a king born, but just where is he? Our hope leads to faith that when we put our hope in Jesus Christ and him alone, then it leads to faith, and that faith leads to salvation. Anybody have hope in Jesus Christ today? Anybody have hope that Jesus Christ is who he said he was? That Jesus Christ will do what he has said he will do. But not only does our hope lead to faith, but our hope is also beyond this life. Paul said this, if we have hope in this life only, we are of all men most miserable. That if, if Jesus Christ is only good for now, that, that when we get to the afterlife, the things that we've suffered, the persecution, you've got to understand Paul is enduring major persecution. He, he's beaten multiple times with rods, and he's got stripes on his back, and he's shipwrecked, and he's in prison. But he says, if we have hope in this life only, we're of all men most miserable, but I have hope beyond this life. I have a hope that goes beyond the present reality that I see. I have a hope that goes beyond the situation and circumstances that I may find myself in. It is a hope beyond. I mentioned Simeon and Anna Luke 2 tells us this story, that when Jesus is brought to Jerusalem, brought to the temple eight days after his, his birth, it is the, the Jewish process, the process of circumcision for the child. They do it on the eighth day. He's brought to the temple. It's not done by a doctor, it's not, but it's done at the temple. Everything revolved around the temple. Everything revolved around serving God and knowing God. Everything revolved around the law of God. Jesus is brought to the temple to be circumcised. And, and when Simeon sees him, he says, now, in essence, and this is a paraphrase, he says, in essence, now I can die because I have seen the salvation of Israel. That God has told me that I'm going to see him before I die. That I'm going to see the Messiah before I die. And he says, I have seen him and now I can go off the scene. The point I want to bring about you is, to you is this. That Simeon wanted to see the Messiah before he died. But my question is, will you be with the Messiah when you die? That we have hope beyond this life, but it's a hope that's only found in Jesus Christ. And if we're not in relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't want to see the Messiah after you die. That if you're not in relationship with him, it's, it's not going to be a pleasant thing when you see him over there. The scripture tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I would tell you that I want to do that now so that when I'm doing it then, it's voluntary and he's not making me do it. And there's no punishment that comes with me bowing on the other side. But I have hope that when I get to heaven, I'm going to be with Jesus and live with him forever. It's going to be a celebration like you've never seen. A celebration like you can't anticipate. 
when the Royals won the World Series 2015. I wasn't here, but they say maybe a million people showed up downtown. Somewhere between 800,000 and a million showed up to celebrate that. I was here when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And people that were at both said they finally figured out some stuff, but the crowd was a little, little smaller. The cold was a, it was a little more chilly than it would be in October. Great celebration, probably maybe the two biggest celebrations this city's ever seen, but it's nothing that will compare with our celebration when we get to heaven to see Jesus Christ and spend eternity with him. Would you give him a hand clap of praise? But not only is, does our hope lead to faith, and not only is our hope beyond this life, but our hope is realized now. That to have hope then, we must have hope now. You don't get hope then unless you have it now. He is not just our future hope. He is our present hope. That presently, I put my hope and my trust and my faith in Him. Presently, I'm relying on Him. Presently, I am, I am serving Him and following Him. The Bible says in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And, and I quoted to you where Paul said earlier, he said, if we have hope in this life only. And it was bad. Things were difficult. But in the middle of all of his difficulties, he saw the miraculous. He saw people being healed. He saw the lame walking and the dumb talking and the blind seeing. He had all of those things. In the middle of his difficulty and his persecution, he had a lot of things going. He didn't say, I don't have hope now, he said it. But if it's only now, I'm not sure it's worth it. But I have hope now. I, I can walk with Jesus Christ now. I can be with him now. Jesus is our present hope. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? He is our present hope. And the reality is that we don't have to wait until eternity to experience hope now. That when we walk with him and when we're in relationship with him, we have a hope now. We have a hope now that leads to faith, that helps us to walk through life and, and to be with him and to serve him and to please him and all of the good things that go along with that. The Bible doesn't say this, but, but reality has played this out. It's a, maybe it's anecdotal, but there is something called redemptive lift. That when you serve Jesus Christ, that when you follow Jesus Christ, if you're a drug addict and you give your life to Jesus, then you, you get off the drugs. It's just what you do. He cleans up your life. He enables you to have a job. He enables you to, to, to keep a job. And he enables you to begin to, to rise up in life and things become much better. I realize most of you and maybe none of you have ever been drug addicts or alcoholics. But wherever you are, Jesus will make your life better in some ways. That doesn't mean you won't have tribulation. That doesn't mean you won't have persecution. But you can have peace and you can have joy and you can have comfort and you can have his presence. It is our present hope when we follow Jesus Christ. When we need comfort, we turn to him. When we need help, 
we turn to him. And our hope is not in vain that when we go after him and we turn to him, guess what? He is there with us. We prayed earlier for comfort. We prayed earlier for peace. We prayed earlier for healing. I don't know what people do that don't have a God to turn to. I don't know how you make it through life when you don't have a God who is with you. You may be familiar with the, the poem, and it's not in my notes, and I, so I won't attempt to, to even quote it. I'll just give you the gist of it. But a man sees two sets of footprints walking in the sand, and then one set of footprints disappear. And he, he realizes that's, that's through the, the dark trials of his life. That's through the difficult times of his life. And, and he asks he God, he says, why weren't you with me? Why, why is there only one set of footprints? And God said, I, I didn't leave you. Those were the times that I carried you, that I helped you through those difficult times. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He is our present hope, and our hope is not in vain. It has been said that way too many people trust Jesus with their eternity, but they don't trust him with their present. And I would tell you that if, if you don't put your hope in him now, you have no hope in eternity. It doesn't work like, well, I, I'm going to hope that I'm going to be with you then, but I want to live my way now. I, I don't want to follow you or serve you now. I just want to get to heaven and get all the good stuff later. It doesn't work that way. To have a future hope, you must have a present hope, and it must be a present reality in your life. And hope and putting your trust in Jesus doesn't mean that you just strive to be a good person. You can be as good as you want to be, maybe the best ever. But our righteousness is as filthy rags. And the Bible says there is nothing good in us at all. That our best efforts are all in vain. It doesn't do us any good. Putting your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ is not about doing good. It's not about showing up for church. It's not about just believing in Jesus. But it is about a relationship with the one who is no longer a baby in a manger. He's not still a baby in a manger. He was. It's not putting our faith and our trust and our hope in a crucified sacrifice on a cross. He was on a cross but he's not on the cross anymore. It's not putting our trust in, in a, a Savior who was in a tomb. He, he was in a tomb, but he's not in a tomb anymore. He is the God of the universe who is in this room right now, who is touching hearts and life. He is a risen Savior. Would you stand together? Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise today for his goodness? Jesus, we bless your name. We bless your name. Christmas is what makes salvation possible. If it wasn't for Christmas, then he would have not have lived and died a sinless life. He would not have went to the cross on your behalf and on mine.
he would have not been buried in a tomb if it wasn't for Christmas. But I'm thankful that our hope is not in a crucified Messiah, a crucified sacrifice. It's not in a babe in a manger, but it is in a risen Savior who can live in your heart and my heart today. Would you just lift your hands wherever you are right now? Would you just thank the Lord for his goodness, for his work in us? Jesus, we praise you today. We praise you for your goodness. We praise you because of who you are. We praise you, Lord, because there is none like you. There is none beside you. We praise you because you are our one and only hope. Not just our best hope, but you are our only hope for salvation. You are our only hope to spend eternity with you. You are our only hope today. And I would tell you that it is not, I've said it already, but it's not just believing in Jesus. Bible says the devils believe in one God and they tremble, but the devils aren't going to be saved. It's not about believing. It's not about having a mental ascent and saying, oh, well, I believe in God. That's the start. That's where you need to be. If you, don't do, if you don't get to that point, you'll never get past that and get to anything else. You'll never have a relationship with the God of the universe if you don't believe that He is. But it's more than just believing it's about being obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that death, burial, and resurrection. That's the good news of the gospel. And obedience to that means that we follow him in his death through repentance. And repentance is simply just telling him, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. It's wrong. I'm sorry for doing my thing or going my way. Lord, I, I want to give my life to you and go your way, to follow your path, to follow your, your plan. That's repentance. That's following him in his death. But we have to following, follow him in his burial as well. And we do that through the waters of baptism. The Bible says that we are buried with him in baptism. The symbolic of what he went through when he was placed in that tomb when we go under the water in the name of Jesus Christ, our sins are washed away and we follow him in baptism. But that's not enough either. He doesn't want to just be around us. He doesn't want to just be with us. He wants to be in us. He is our hope that can live on the inside of us and he does that whenever we allow the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of us. And when that happens, we speak in a language that we don't know, a language that we've never experienced before. It is the sign Peter and James and John and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and all of the disciples and all of the apostles, they all experience that same thing. It's not unique. It's not crazy. It's not weird. It's what the Bible says. If Peter needed it, I need it. And if Mary, who was blessed among women, if she needed it, I need it. I need him. She who was his mother, who had the Messiah living in her, who gave birth to him, that after his death, burial, and resurrection, she still needed that Messiah to come back in the form of Jesus Christ and live on the inside of her. And when you do that, then we can have hope in that life and in this.
that Jesus will be there with us, that Jesus will be there for us. So my, my prayer today and my call to action is this. If you haven't put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, do it today. Find hope this Christmas. Make a future and a present reality. Make that hope real in your life today. I'm going to invite you. We have a, a larger crowd than normal today, which I'm grateful for, but I, I'm just going to invite you where you are to begin to talk to Jesus Christ. In fact, let me, let me do this. If you would, would you just close your eyes? Nobody looking around. But if you, if you want a close relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just lift your hand? Nobody's looking. If you just want to know him better, you want to experience everything that he has for you, there's hands lifted all around this room today. And I'm going to put on my mask and I'm going to, I'm going to walk by and I'm going to pray with you, but I, I want you to pray. If you haven't repented, if, if you haven't told God you're sorry for your sins, if you haven't told him that, that you want to follow him and you want to serve him, that I want you that to be what you begin to pray right now. As, as Pastor Cedric sings and plays, I, I want you just to begin to talk to Jesus, begin to call upon him right now. Jesus, we need you. God, we give our lives to you. We give our all to you. We give everything in us to you. Lord, I pray right now that you forgive us of our sins. You cleanse us of our sins. God, that you give us a hope today that we didn't have when we come in. A hope that we can spend eternity with you. Would you do that right now?